Hey, good morning. If you're new, I also want to introduce myself. I'm Charlie, uh, lead pastor here at The Grove, and really glad you're worshiping with us. And we are in our Christmas series. But before we get to that, I just kind of wanted to take a minute. Uh, I don't know how many of you, probably most of you are a little bit aware of this. Some of you may not. I mean, you know, right around 10 o'clock or so last night, we got a text from one of our daughters um, about that there had been a shooting. Uh, there were shots fired uh, down at the square in Fayetteville, and there was a lot of confusion about it for a while. And then ultimately, the story came out that essentially it was an ambush, that someone was waiting for this police officer to, to, come, to come start his shift and, and shot and killed him. And then um, the police chased that person down and shot and killed him. And just even last night, just talking to our daughters and just seeing people, social media, I mean, just stuff like that, it's just, I mean, it just, it just shakes you up. And every now and then, we've, we talk about things that are going on in the world that are kind of alarming or whatever. And this one, obviously, more than those, just hits really close to home, right? You see the, the, the hundreds, if not thousands, of people who are there on the square when all this goes on. And then to have a police officer essentially assassinated in our own community last night. And I just think it's important for us in times like this to kind of take a step back and reflect on just a couple of things. I think one is just a, a huge reminder of just the overwhelming amount of hurt and brokenness and, and evil that is in this world. Too often we, 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 we lose sight of that. And um, this is just a, a, a hard reminder of that. But the second thing that goes along with that is just a real reminder of what it is that God has called us to do and, and, to, and to be. That he has called us to be people who can bring um, a, a bit of hope uh, to a world that desperately needs it. And so I just encourage you guys as you're processing that to just to do it. Just do it with God. It's kind of your own, your own grieving just about, about the loss and kind of how this affects the community just to process all of that and and but then also just kind of immediately get to that next spot. This is what God has called us to do, not just us here in this church, but churches all over this area to, to surround a, a grieving community and to be people who can bring love, encouragement, peace, and hope uh, to a community and to a world that desperately needs it. Uh, let, me, let me pray for us. God, I thank you. Thank you for these awesome people. I thank you for this community in which we live. And God, just my, my, my heart just breaks, God, for the families involved here, especially the family of the, of the police officer who was killed. And, and God, I just pray that you would, um, you would just be with them as they grieve, as they um, just try to process the, the overwhelming hurt and confusion that they have. And God, I just pray that their friends and their family and God, our community as a whole will just rally around them and can bring comfort and, and hope in God just in a really dark time. And God, I, I, I do pray. I just pray against all the hurt and the brokenness and the evil and the pain, God, that is, that is in this world and in this community, God. And I do, I pray that you would raise us up to, um, to be carriers of hope and peace to people who desperately need it. And we love you, God. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. You know, yesterday, it was, it was just including that. It was just quite a day. It was just it was one of those days for, for, for me. It was just kind of beginning to end. It was just kind of like one of those deals that there was always something, right? And so it started, it started Friday night um, 
Layla and I, so we'll just kind of, I'll just take you through Friday night to Saturday night. Layla and I, our youngest, he was eight. Uh, we went to Branson, where my parents lived, to spend the night with them. We had some things we wanted to do, none of which worked out, which is kind of part of the story of the day. We, we go up there to do this, and so when it's just the two of us, we'll sleep in their guest bedroom, and it's a king-size bed, which is more than enough room for me and an eight-year-old. But there's a couple things that she's got going for her. One, she's a kicker, and she's also a screamer, just, ran, just randomly. Like what? Okay, anyways, there's nothing I can do about that, but there is something I can do about the kicking. So I build a little pillow wall, right, that I put in the middle of the bed, and there's enough space for me, her, and the pillow wall. I thought, fine, and I'm talking to her like, listen, sweetie, you got to at least give me till 7. You got to sleep at least till 7, please, I'm begging you. Say, okay, Dad, okay. And I don't know what your sleep is like, but something about me, you can stare me awake. You just can't. If you stare at me long enough, I will eventually go, what? right? And so at not approximately, but exactly 623, I, um, I'm awakened by this cute little face that is leaned over the pillow wall like this. Hi, Dad. Ah! Like, I don't know what time it is. It ain't seven. I need you to go back to sleep. And so then and she pretends to try to go back to sleep, and I do too. Next thing I know, I, I, don't, I don't hear it or see it. I just feel it. This little hand has worked its way through the pillow wall and grabs my hand, and then hee-hee-hee-hee-hee. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you, you, like, you know, Mike, you want to start angry parenting at that point, but it was just so cute. And, um, and so we were up now. Where it's up. And again, it just kind of launched from there. It's just kind of one of these days where it just seemed like everything was going wrong. It just seemed like people just kept getting upset with me about things that I didn't even think that I was doing. And it, just, and it, was, just, it was just an emotional, overwhelming day where nothing seemed to be going right. And, and some of you who know me, you think I'm talking about sports. And I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. It wasn't a great sports day for sure, but that was just icing on the cake, and just and, and, and so then the thing happens where we get the text about the shooting, and, 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 and that's overwhelming and sad. And then just to kind of just to top it all off, my wife has two digital watches, neither one of them when she knows how to work. And um, at midnight, apparently, she had set an alarm for midnight. She missed it, and it just stopped. And I thought, okay, she, she's with it. She, she, she was able to shut it off, but apparently it just snoozes itself. And so then I just fall in by, I'm like, well, this is just, this is just great. This is the best Saturday ever, right? And, and, and I was thinking about this at, I don't know, 2 o'clock in the morning or whatever, and I'm just kind of like, like, you know, I was just thinking about this and the story we're talking about Joseph today that really, like, who we really are, like what our character really is and who we really are, really I think is defined by uh, like the bad days, like the worst days, like, 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 like those really, like just when, when things just aren't right. When everybody loves you and everything's going well and you're knocking things out of your to-do list and you're getting all the sleep that you want and all of those kinds of things, I mean, we're all good then, we're the best people in the world. But, it, but it's, it's, it's in those moments and I give myself maybe a C plus for pretending to be okay with people and just an F for what is going on in my heart. I mean, here it is, it's Sunday morning and, and the emotion that I was expressing in the telling of the story, that wasn't all just for fun. 
It was, that was just a dramatic telling of the story. I mean, I'm still just... But we've got an example here of a guy who has experienced something that, that, that when you really look at the story, it's, just, it's so overwhelming. And the character that he displays in what had to have been the worst moment of his life, I think is an incredible testimony and an example to us. And so we're going to be looking at the story of Joseph. Now Mary, obviously, the mother of Jesus, Jesus uh, Mark talked about this last week, you know, an angel visits her and tells her that she's about to be pregnant, but not because she's going to have sex with a guy, but because uh, God is going to place a baby in her that is ultimately going to become Jesus, the Son of God. And so she's kind of the main character in the story, but this guy Joseph, her fiancé, is an incredible man. We'll just call him the, she, he's the best supporting actor in, in this story. And the, and the more we kind of examine kind of what he went through and the way that he responded to it, I think we're going to be overwhelmed a little bit by him. So we kind of pick up his part of the story in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. And this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, again, the main storyline here is what happens with Mary. Mary gets visited by this angel, says that the Holy Spirit is going to conceive a child into her and it's going to become the baby Jesus. But in the meantime, this is happening in real life. And we're going to pick up kind of the next level of, of the thread of her story next week. But just kind of looking here at Joseph, let's just imagine it here for a second. She has this visit from an angel that tells her all of this, but only tells her this. And so then after some time, a certain amount of time, you know, a couple of months, three months, whatever, four or five, however long it took, it becomes discovered, wait, Mary is pregnant. And Joseph is her fiancé. He knows that he's not had sex with her, and that's the only way that, that people get pregnant. And she comes to him with, the, with what has to be the craziest story anyone has ever tried to convince their fiancé of. No, 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 no. I know what it looks like, but hear me out. God did this, and there was no dude involved. Now, hindsight, sure, and Mary was an incredible quality character, sure. And, and, and in hindsight, we're like, well, this is a very familiar story. This happens all the time. It doesn't happen all the time. It happened this one time, and, 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 and who would believe it? You're the fiancé. And it's like, no, 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 this is not another dude. You're still the only one for me. That's not how this baby got there. And you're like, mm-mm. And I'm sure in that moment, he is crushed and devastated. I mean, he, had, he was going to kind of live this 
normal, good, first century Jew in Nazareth kind of life. And I'm a carpenter. My dad was a carpenter. I'm going to be a carpenter. I've got this wife, and she's pretty, and I like her. And we're going to get married. We're going to have a family. And it's going to be great. And then she turns up pregnant and has the dumbest story in the world trying to convince him. And he's like, and and so to look at this story, here's what we're going to do. We're going to learn one thing about God, and we're going to learn two things about Joseph. Because this story is amazing. And here's the thing that I think that we need to make sure that we understand about God. Because he's got a role to play here in this story that I need to make sure that we're all clear on. Because ultimately an angel comes to visit Joseph and says, Hey, um, that thing, that story that Mary's telling you, it's true. This is something that God did and you should totally take her as, 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 as your wife. So eventually the angel does show up. But let, me, let me just say this, make sure we note this, that the angel showed up after Joseph's world fell apart, not before. Joseph's world had already fallen apart, and then, and then the angel showed up. Imagine a different telling of this story. God's got more than one angel, right? He's got at least two. He's got tons of them, actually. He's got two. So imagine a scenario where at the same time, on the same night, in two different parts of Nazareth, he can spare two angels to go in. And one talks to Mary. Hey, this is what's going to happen to you, oh, favored one. And then he comes to Joseph and be like, hey, I know this is a lot to understand, but right now there is an angel that's also talking to Mary, and here's what that angel's telling Mary, and here's what you need to do. She didn't have sex with somebody else. It's all fine. You take her as a wife. It's going to be awesome. This is going to be the Savior of the world. And then they wake up the next morning, and they're all a little confused, but they get together and compare notes, and they're like, hey, this is really cool. And then, and then, and, and then it happens just like God said, and everybody lives happily ever after. That is not what he did. He told Mary in advance because she would have been overwhelmingly confused and, 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 and she wouldn't have been able to handle it. But he let, it just, just, he let Joseph just kind of find out. Again, three months later, four months later, five months later, his fiance's pregnant. And the, and, and, the, and the worst thing that he could possibly have imagined happened to him happens to him and the explanation is ridiculous. And it was then that God showed up. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I get it. That's not what happened. It's okay. When God could have done something different than what he did, can we just say this? Can we just be honest here for a second, kind of analyzing the story? What God did to Joseph is not by our definitions of these words. I would not consider it to be courteous. I would not consider it to be nice. It's not friendly. And if I can take it one step too far, it's not good. It's, it seems mean. It seems unnecessary, unnecessarily hurtful. And if you can avoid hurting someone and you have the power to do it, shouldn't you do it? Shouldn't God have just kind of made this easier on him? But he didn't. He let Joseph go through this worst moment of his life, experience all of this loss and this hurt, and then after that comes in and says, I'm going to explain to you what just happened. And so we look at this, and I think that we examine this story. Maybe not this story. Maybe we've never examined it before. But when we examine our own stories, like, I just don't get it. I don't get what you're doing. I don't know why you're doing it. It doesn't make any sense to me. I can think of 
50 different ways that, God, you could have handled the situation in my life better, and you have the power to do it. And, and there's all these different ways you could have handled it. And if you had, that would have been better, nicer, friendlier, more courteous. But here's the thing that we have to understand. This really isn't about God's character. Well, it is, but it's about our misunderstanding of it. It's about our misunderstanding of who God is and what He's trying to do. And, I, and I, I'll, I'll say it this way. What God is wanting to do in your life, the big thing that God is trying to accomplish in your life, in your life, through your life, what God is wanting to do in your life is not accomplished by smooth. By making your life smooth, by making your life easy, that is, God is, not, that is not how God accomplishes the thing. It's not possible for Him to accomplish those things. Because again, what is He trying to make you? He's trying to make you a beacon of hope a carrier of hope and peace to a world that is broken. And this is how he does it. And so we have to adjust a little bit. We have to adjust or maybe a, a lot of bit uh, our expectations about what life with God is going to be like. And it's not about smooth. It's not about easy. It's about what God is wanting to do in you. And once he's done this thing in your heart, then what he's going to be able to do through you making a difference one person at a time by bringing love and hope to the people that God has put in your life. And then for Joseph, and not only did God, something, did God do something really cool in his life, but to billions of people who now know the story. And so that's the thing that we kind of learn about God, but there's a couple of things here that we, I want to make sure that we understand specifically about the way Joseph handled himself, because the way that he handled himself is, is to me overwhelmingly awesome. So he finds out, you know, again, it's like she was found to be pregnant, which is just, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a passive voice statement. And, 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 and to me, it, it just communicates just the, the hurt. It wasn't told. She was just found. Suddenly she was just pregnant. And, and it's like, what happened but because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. The way that he handled this demonstrates tremendous grace. It demonstrated tremendous grace. I mean, he had completely within his rights the ability to publicly shame her. And again, depending on how much Roman control there was over this particular small town, in Israel, he could have stoned her. I mean, if the Romans had gotten involved, they probably wouldn't have necessarily wanted that. Maybe there wasn't enough of her. He, he, could have, he could have had her killed. He could have had her shunned. He could have had her hurt. He could have done any number of things to her and would have been completely within his rights in that culture and that law at that time. Anything you can't do that to Mary. I get it. From Mary's perspective, I get it. From Mary's perspective, even her having to be quietly divorced and, and kind of quietly shunned, that is a huge, awful tragedy that supposedly is coming out of this awesome thing that God did. And in her storyline, that's something else, which we'll pick up next week. But in Joseph's storyline, the fact that all that he's doing is, hey, listen, I, I'm trying to make a big deal about this. I'm not trying to hurt you. I don't want, I, I don't want this story to get out any more than it has to. I just, just, but you and I, obviously, we can't be together. You've been with another man. I haven't been with another man. Please don't with that. Please stop. Please stop with that story. 
I don't want to hurt you, but if you tell me that story one more time, I might lose my mind. But I don't want to hurt you, so we're just, we're just going to break this off. I'm going to follow the appropriate laws, but we, we can't do this. Based on what a normal human man reaction would have been to that, and based on the privileges and rights that he had in that moment, what he demonstrated was overwhelming compassion and grace. <coughs> because what he's willing to do in that moment is I'm willing to reject and set aside what I believe my rights are, what I believe that I'm entitled to. And in this moment, I want to handle in the most appropriate way, in the most loving way, this person that I still care for, even though she has cut me and wounded me so deeply. And that example of that level of forgiveness, really it should overwhelm us. Because typically what we tend to think about All we can really think about when someone has hurt us is what has been done to me, how you have hurt me, and now what I'm entitled to. You have hurt me, now I have the right to hurt you back. And I can treat you any number of ways, and it would be appropriate because you've hurt me. I I get to hurt you back at least that much, if not more, because you started it. And that's how things get escalated, and that's how there gets to be more hurt and brokenness and pain in the world because we don't really understand this level of forgiveness that I can look at the people who have hurt me. Again, I understand. I don't want you to get confused about the story. Mary had not done anything to Joseph. He didn't know that, though. From his, in his world, from his perspective, he had experienced ultimate betrayal. And his concern and compassion for her, essentially it was, it's forgiveness. I forgive you for what you've done. I'm going to reject my right to get my revenge upon you, to get justice from you, and I'm going to handle this the best way I possibly can for you. You think about the people who have hurt you, the people who have done real damage to you. What would it look like? What would it look like for you to be able to bring that level of forgiveness? I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm going to treat the person who has hurt me with compassion with grace. And so then the the angel finally does, about, you know, three to five months too late, finally does visit Joseph and shows up and says, hey, guess what? Um, Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, verse 20, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. In verse 24, when Joseph woke up, Excuse me. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. And so the angel does, visits him in a dream. And to me, that's important to the story. He's asleep and he has a dream. And in this dream, the angel visits him. And then he wakes up from that dream and then immediately does exactly what God tells him to do. And again, in just a really fast kind of blowing by that story that may say, oh, well, of course. I mean, God visited him in a dream. If God visits you in a dream, then you totally do what God does. That's not, no, 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 no. I'll say this way. He demonstrated tremendous grace, but even more faith. How much faith does that take for, I don't know, weeks, if not months, 
You have just felt this overwhelming sadness and betrayal. And you hear this story, and this story says, an angel came and visited me and, and put the baby in me. That's what happened. It was God. God did it. It was an angel, and it was an angel. And you're, and you're grieving, and you're overwhelmed. And suddenly you have this dream. He didn't visit you while you're awake, while you're asleep. While you're asleep, an angel comes and tells you the thing that you most would want to believe in the world, but you know in your heart is ridiculous. And he wakes up the next morning and chooses to trust in God. Having an overwhelming amount of reasons to still not believe. Man, I talked myself into that. It was just a dream for goodness sake. He wakes up that morning, changes his mind, takes Mary as his wife, and lives with her as her husband, all the way up until the time Jesus is born. And then, and then they finally are able to consummate their own marriage. But he lives with her as a faithful husband each and every day. And let me tell you, do not minimize how much this was a huge, bold act of faith for him every day of his life. That dream probably had a lot of impact at that first night. Right? But still, it's like, that was a dream. But was it? It seemed real. God was there. Every night that goes, every, t- every day we move forward, that dream becomes less and less real, becomes less and less coherent. See, less is, hmm, what are we really doing here? And she's getting more and more pregnant. And each and every day, he's by faith, I choose to believe. Like, and how long? Like Jesus' first miracle? Like, how do you, like, really know? Like, the baby comes out, like, it doesn't look like me, right? And it's like, I don't know. I don't know. How do I believe? Maybe when the shepherd showed up, right? The shepherds, all the way up in the shepherds. So, like, four to six months of constant daily battle. And then these shepherds showed up. Man, we had thousands of angels show up and told us to come right here. Maybe in that moment, Joseph is finally like, okay, I I think this was legit. But But is it? And by faith, every day, Joseph chose to believe and trust in God and do something that seems both ridiculous and impossible. His family probably thought he was crazy. His friends probably thought he was an idiot. He probably thought he was a crazy idiot. And by faith, every day, he chose to trust God and do the right thing. And this is a great picture of the gospel, I believe, that God offers us. Because at a time that feels a little bit too late, my brokenness has already taken over and, the, and, and my life is, you don't know what's happened. You don't know what I've done. You don't understand what's been done to me. But at, at what seems too late, but for God was at just the right time, comes to you in your brokenness and says, I offer you overwhelming compassion and grace. I offer you forgiveness. And through that... you will then be able to extend that same grace and compassion and forgiveness to the people who need it if you will only wake up each and every day and walk with me by faith. 
Because Joseph came to realize not only was this a miraculous birth, but this son was going to grow up to be the Messiah, the one that was going to save uh, him and the whole world from their sins. And it is that Jesus that is offering that same thing to you. He is offering you forgiveness. He's offering you through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection, he is offering you forgiveness from all of the hurt, all of the pain, everything that has been done. He is offering you a new life. If you will only take, like Joseph did, if you will wake up, the angel is visiting you right now, and you will wake up from this and say, I choose to believe in this God that has given me life. Now in a room this big with this many people from so many different backgrounds, I'm sure we are all over the place. But there are some of you here that your application point for this is for the first time to accept the message that God is offering you. That He is offering you forgiveness and life through the death of His Son, Jesus Christ. That He died to pay for your sins, to to bring healing and life to you, and then was raised again so that we know that death is no longer the answer, the final answer to any of the world's problems. And that you can have hope and life in Him if you'll just put your faith in Him this one time. And our hope and prayer is that, like Joseph, is that you'll respond in that way. But also for a lot of us, we've done that. And the challenge is, no matter what this world continues to throw at us, no matter what hurt comes, no matter what pain comes, no matter what confusing circumstances we find ourselves in, we wake up in each and every day. I choose to put my faith in this Jesus who gave his life for me. And so as we have our time of response, man, I just encourage you, let's just pray for each other. Well, what, a, what a good day for us just to kind of make that our primary application. We're just going to pray for each other that each one of us will be able to have the courage to walk by faith each and every day. That through that faith, we would then have the courage to be givers of compassion and forgiveness and grace to the people who have hurt us. And you live a life of faith. You live a life of compassion and forgiveness. And then you will be that person who in the people that God puts around you, you can bring a little bit of that hope and peace and life to them. So let's pray for each other. As always, we've got our response in the back. Our prayer team has been praying for you this whole service. They've been praying for you all morning. If you need a little extra encouragement, you've got a burden you want to pray for, you just need a little encouragement, they'd love to pray specifically with you. We've got prayer cards in the back where we can just kind of be praying for the people in our church who have stepped out in faith to do awesome things all over the world. You can just pray for them. There's prayer candles where you can just pray specific prayers, lift up prayers, um, pray at the cross. There's communion available where you basically you take the bread, you dip it in, 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 the, in the cup, and it's a symbol of, God, of Jesus' body that was broken for you, His blood that was shed for you, and we, and we, and we remember that, and we, and, and we celebrate it and reflect on it. We've got an opportunity to give. We've got an opportunity to worship. We've got a great opportunity here in these next few minutes to not only build up our own faith, but strengthen and encourage the faith of each other. So let's pray that like Joseph that we be people of faith and compassion that can bring hope to the people around us.
Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for the people who are here. God, I thank you for the steps of faith that it took just to get a lot of us here today. That today was a day that we decided we would wake up and take a step of faith to come a little bit closer to you today at church. The God that we would worship, that we would hear, that we would bring our family. The God that we would believe that you have a word of encouragement for us. God, I thank you for that. And God, I pray for those of us who need to take that first big step of faith to fully trust you through your son Jesus with our lives. God, I pray that we would. And God, I pray for all of us. God, whatever our past is, whatever we're going through in our present, God, whatever the future holds, that we would put our faith and trust in you each and every day. And we thank you for your son Jesus who makes it possible. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.